I've been in a coffin for a really long time, right? Like people talk about zombies and zombie apocalypses and stuff. Well, I feel like that's kind of what it is to have trauma. You know, I used to walk around and even spatial awareness. I'd bump into things all the time um, because I wasn't in my body. And I was aware of things happening and I'd read your face and I'd be able to like shake my head and nod, but I could like pretty much go on autopilot because trauma responses train you from an early age to respond appropriately, but not have to actually connect and engage, right? You can essentially walk through the world dissociated and pretty much get by on coping skills and mechanisms. The Your Life After podcast is a place where people can talk about the lives they lead after traumas. This podcast will feature survivors, victims, and professionals sharing their experiences, expertise, insights, and struggles. The goal here is not to showcase stories of triumph, though I'm sure some of those stories will be triumphant. The goal is to shine a light on our own shared humanity and to perhaps encourage someone to move forward through their own trauma. I'm your host, Robin Dunbryant. I'm a coach who helps people heal from the physiological effects of generational trauma, sexual abuse, and sexual assault. Let's get talking, shall we? Hey there, Shay. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Robin? You know, I'm doing all right. I can't I can't complain. It's a, it's a beautiful day, and we're getting to have a chat. Those are two good things. Never mind the world raging outside of the windows. That's just, yeah, <laughs> never mind that. <laughs> we won't worry about that at all. Um, I'm I'm really glad that we got a chance to do this and that you've you've come. I'm super excited for people to hear kind of about the work that you're doing. You know, we geek out about this sort of thing, um, and I just think it's I think it's so cool. We're gonna we're gonna just dive in if you're if you're good with that. I'm totally down. Perfect. Um, so let's start here at the beginning, because I think that we're going to need to fill some people in. You know, you and I have this shared language, but um, other people might not have any idea what we're talking about. And so um, you're a somatic therapist, and mm-hmm. I, that I know what that means, um, but <laughs> some other people may not. So talk to us a little bit about what you're doing professionally, your background, and, and how you how you work with the body. Cool. Yeah. So, um, well, it started out 20 years ago, I got licensed as a massage therapist and I came into it, um, because for my 18th birthday, my mom got me a massage. She was in massage school at the time. And, um, I said, I wanted a professional massage. And so she bought me a massage with her massage teacher when core Institute was still around And afterwards, I think I had, it was an hour or an hour and a half. I can't remember which one it was. Um, And I remember how I felt after I got off the table and I, the, the huge change was I could feel like something had shifted, even though it was just an hour, hour and a half after I had laid down on the table and the way I thought started to shift. And I was like, 
I feel so much better about myself right now. I don't feel, you know, it isn't that I just feel good. I feel like I can do some things that I didn't think I could do after just having this work. And I was like, I have to do this. Like, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, so I got into massage school after I had that massage. I had been in community college. I was kind of failing out of that. I was really bored. I was bored with this, with the like kind of prescribed way of doing things. And finally I was like, what if I just did what I want to do? What if I just did what I want to do, regardless of what anybody thinks about it? And so I did. And I started making like A's and B's and everything started making sense. And it all just started making sense. Um, So I got into massage school. As I was going through massage school, what happened for me is my traumas started to come up as we were doing, as we were working on each other. So as we were practicing on each other, I started having flashbacks. I started having memories. I started um, having body memories. And that also activated my um, desire to question like what else is in there. And so And so that's kind of where it started and um, got licensed as a massage therapist. And um, as with a lot of things in my life, when things are really important and I deem them like very uh, like vital or very just like essential, I'm scared of them. (laughs) And so I like don't do it. Right. So like I got licensed as a massage therapist and, and my partner at the time you know, I was still working as an, like in insurance and they were like, why are you not (laughs) doing what you just, you know, got licensed in? And I'm like, because it's too important. It's such important work. (laughs) And I'm just like, not good enough yet. Okay. Um, so I like waited for a year after I was licensed to even feel worthy of practicing because I like felt it was so sacred and I was not qualified yet to do it. And, um, and so then that started happening. I started having all of these people coming in, having emotional releases, what I know now is somato emotional releases. And I am qualified to help them with their body, right? And I just kept on having these people, they would leave and they had been in tears. And I didn't know what else I could help them resolve, you know, and, and, you know, I would always say, you know, you know, definitely talk to your therapist about that, you know. Um, but for 10 years practicing this, having these these clients with, with these emotional releases, I was like, what more can I be doing? You know, like there's more I can do, but I don't know what it is. And um, and that's when I found um trauma touch therapy, and then started um, going into craniosacral therapy and these modalities where I was able to help people at that cellular base level of where that biological trauma is, is stored. Well, it's not biological, but it, you know, where it's stored in the body. And so for the past 10 years, I've been, you know, doing that trauma informed body work um, and helping people um, let go of the trauma that is actually stored in the body. Um, 
and that's that's kind of that's kind of what I'm doing now. I think that's I I had no so I didn't do my disclaimer so that people that are listening know. Not only do not only do we know each other, mm-hmm. not only are you the only person that I let work on my body, but we also work together sometimes with clients. So we go way back and and I kind of met you right at that at that pivoting point, I think. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that there was this entire year after you were licensed that you didn't you didn't work, um, which blows my mind because this is clearly what you're supposed to be doing. No doubt in my mind about that at all. Um, I think that's really exciting though, like this tra- this trajectory that came from your body saying yes when you got off the table, right? Like yeah. if that's not a, a testament and a testimony to kind of where you needed to be, I don't know what else is, like this big response Hey girl, hey, this is great. <laughs> maybe, maybe you need to do this. This is a good idea. I love that. I didn't know that part of the story at all. Um, well, and that second part, it's funny, you know, because I did the same thing with trauma touch, if you remember. I do. Um, so, you know, as if people don't know, like we're friends, right? And I think it's important to say this part too. Um, that, that first 10 years, that was true. You know, the first year of massage, I did not even practice even after I was licensed. Um, but also at that 10 year mark, when I started specializing in trauma, um, also, I think it's important to note, I had just decided to get sober as well for myself, you know, the addiction, uh, component started, you know, to become something that I was like, okay, it's time to work on this now. And, um, And as I was working with that and getting sober, I was able to actually go deeper with stuff too, because I was aware of what was happening within my own body and, um, and going forward with my clients and with the trauma work, you know, I've heard it say like trauma is the gateway drug, you know, like, sure. I, you know, am a recovering alcoholic and I'm very, you know, comfortable saying that, you know, because to me, my addiction was a response to actually, you know, trying to cope with stuff at a very early age and not having the right coping tools. And, and that was what was available. And that is what kind of numbed the pain. And it was my best effort of trying to mitigate this stuff that was bigger than me. Um, And so, so yeah, I think that that so yeah, so you and I met two weeks after I had quit drinking. I think that's where I want to start is we have literally been friends from two weeks after I decided to like really live my life on whatever kind of purpose I could like stay alive for. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, and I, I it just... It feels like it was just yesterday and it's been, it's been a heck of a long time. And, and I just think about that, that kind of idea of coming out of this, coming into this space because of the healing that you're doing yourself and recognizing one, you needed the, you know, you needed the healing for yourself, but to the, the gift that you have, um, I just, I remember the first massage I got from you and I was like, I don't know who this person is what she's doing, but she's got to keep doing this stuff. You know, you start talking about going to do the trauma touch training. And I was like, yeah, I, cause this is not a regular massage that you're doing. This is not normal stuff that's happening in here. Um, and from somebody that 
you know, at that point I was pretty new in my own, in my own process and, and really kind of being connected to my own body. And I was like, this is some crazy shit. I remember talking to Tief about it and I was like, I've never had a massage like that before. That's not normal. Um, what she's doing is something very, very different. To say the least, right? Say the least, right? Well, and what's interesting too is that, you know, a lot of us, a lot of folks that come into healing were forged in fire, right? We went through whatever it was. And I sent you like some questions and I said, you know, what do you want to talk about? And this is one of the things you said, I, I, I'm going to quote this because I was like, whoa, okay. You said, I almost died from the symptoms of my trauma before I started getting the root treated. And coming out of the trauma coffin is truly like raising from the dead and not in the aesthetic Pollyanna toxic positivity way. It's a deep and connected knowing that no matter what, I'll be able to survive and endure whatever doesn't kill me. And that there is hope to recover, even if I don't feel like it at the time. Um, Talk to me about any of that, because that feels, I saw that and I was like, well, there's so much there. Is there something there that kind of stands out for you that you want to talk to us about a little bit more? Yeah, it was crazy when I was writing, when you asked those questions that literally just like shot out of me. I didn't think about that. It just kind of that, that quote just came out um, of, of my experience. Um, so the trauma coffin. Um, so that was actually a somatic experience I had on um, the table of somebody who was doing craniosacral on me a couple of years ago. And I had this sense of, you know, I was just going to get craniosacral and I was laying there on the table and I had already, you know, I had been in therapy, you know, and I've been doing so much of the work, therapy, yoga, 12 step programs, you know, continued sobriety, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was laying there on the table and I got this sense of, I was at my own funeral and I was able to die with dignity. And I, and it was this very, it wasn't, it wasn't negative. It was actually, it felt like really empowering, but I was like, I've been in a coffin for a really long time, right? Like people talk about zombies and zombie apocalypses and stuff. Well, I feel like that's kind of what it is to have trauma. You know, I I used to walk around and even spatial awareness. I'd bump into things all the time um, because I wasn't in my body. And I was aware of things happening and I'd read your face and I'd be able to like shake my head and nod, but I could like pretty much go on autopilot because trauma responses train you from an early age to respond appropriately, but not have to actually connect and engage, right? You can essentially walk through the world dissociated and pretty much get by on coping skills and mechanisms that are maladaptive. and for me, when I kind of, when I've been doing the somatic work and and the, um, in therapy and all of that, what it does is it gives me this sense of being alive. And I said, not the Pollyanna ecstatic, you know, that kind of thing. It, it is, it is a, for better or worse, I'm here and I'm present for it. You know, this, Healing doesn't mean everything is now going to be perfect and we're going to live Mm -hmm. happily ever after. What it means is that every moment of this day, I am present for the pain. I am present for the sadness. I'm present for the joy. I'm present for the awkwardness. I'm present for all of it. And I can inhabit it 
in the space that I'm in right now and respond as Shay, you know? And that to me is not walking around like a zombie. That's not just, yep, yep, great. How are you? Wonderful, cool. See you next day. You know, like it's not that. It's how can I show up and be present in my life and not be dead? But it takes practice, you know? And it took the intellectual, you know, psychological piece to, to kind of process through, but also trauma happens to our bodies, right? Like that's the first line of defense that when you feel like, you know, Ooh, I'm around this person or the situation and it just doesn't feel right. That's because the body knows before the mind can even comprehend what's happening. And so in that sense, parts of my body were just dead and needed the dignity of being able to like have that death to almost come back to life. Um, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, she's a, um, she's a a doctor who does this really incredible um, work. She's the one who wrote women who run with the wolves. And I'm listening to this podcast right now called the joyous body. And, um, and she talks about, you know, body as consort, you know, it comes here with us and, you know, we treat it whatever way we treat it, you know, as, as a response to kind of, you know, are we treating it with, with respect and love or are we treating it, you know, negatively and, and trying to reconcile those pieces. But for me, my body had been traumatized a lot. And, um, and she talks about this death, life, death cycle, or life, death, life, whatever it is. But it's basically the constant like regeneration of like, dying and rebirth, dying and rebirth. Um, So things can stay dynamic. So it doesn't stay static. So it continues to move and seasons and all of this. And, um, and I know I've talked around in circles about that. But but that's kind of how my healing journey has been as well is, you know, with, with the healing of trauma and all of that, it, it just, it starts and it stops, but it's, it constantly, it's not linear. It's not linear is what I'm saying. And, um, and coming out of that, I've had periods where I've felt more connected and periods where I felt like I wasn't really doing a ton of active work. But if I take it from when I, you know, actively first started this, you know, when I met you uh, back in 2010, and here we, here we are now in 2020, right? Like 10 years, it's been 10 years. If I look at the past decade of being intentional about not giving up because it's been hard as hell, this has not been an easy decade. And my, my first therapist, when I was just starting this, I said, level with me. I said, be honest with me after all of what I just told you I've been through and what I'm working with. How long is this going to take me? Am I ever going to heal from this? And I will never forget. She looked at me, she was sitting right across from me and she did not bat an eye. And she goes, to be honest, sweetie, it's going to take you a good 10 years to process most of this. Like, and she wasn't wrong. But at the time I was like, yeah, I'll totally do it before that. You know, like <laughs> I'll totally be able to like shave some years off of that 10 years, please. But 
all that I, that has kind of come up to process also needs to be able to to sit too, to rest, to be able to like uh, exist. So I know that not they're for gonna... the, not for the faint of heart. Oh no, God. <laughs> And I know that there may be some folks that are that are listening that are like, you know, 10 years, right? Same thing, same mm-hmm. thing that you would have. One, I'm going to do this quicker. Or two, yeah. there's no way in the world I want to do this, you know. Uh, um, and it's, it, it's, it's so interesting because we don't talk about this. Like, we don't talk about a lot of hard things in our culture. I don't know if other other nationalities do this where they have these discussions around these things and look at it and it's like, you know, this unwinding, I I guess, you know, you could be really hyper American rah, rah and just plow through it, but that's not how our bodies respond. Our bodies really want to take little nibbles of things and integrate things and start to feel a little more comfortable and safe. I think about them like, you know, timid small animals coming out from someplace. Um, the more you rush, it feels like the the harder it gets. Um, and we, we, we've talked about this, but I think that it's important if you could talk a little bit more about this, this nonlinear space um, and how it is that you see that even in your own practice, because I know a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to do this thing and then this thing and then this thing and then this thing, and then I'm going to be, I'm going to be done. Um, and that's not, that's not really kind of the reality of what we're seeing. And I think people need to have a little bit better idea of what it is um, and how it is that we're seeing this in, in the actual works, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, cause as you're asking that question, I'm thinking personally, and then I'm thinking professionally, but I think that they can be the same thing when I respond um, a simple answer and I'll go in more on this is um what I've noticed for myself and others, regardless of if I'm the practitioner or the client, um, is the willingness to be willing to do the work, to go into the hard stuff, whatever it is. Um, whether it, for what I'll just take myself for example, you know, whether it's, um, getting into therapy and starting to talk about the things, whether it's some somatic approach, whether it's yoga, whether it's being honest with your partner, you know, like these honest conversations that are hard. It's just to keep showing up and doing it. And many times in this healing journey in my own healing journey, um, through, through my trauma, um, and it's complex, right? Like I have complex PTSD. So like one thing gets better and then something else seems to fall apart and it can be really discouraging. I've been really discouraged along the way. But for myself, the commitment I made when I got sober from drugs and alcohol was no matter how hard it gets, my like hard stop is drinking and drugs. Like I'm not ever going to go back there. So I've got to figure out a new framework for coping, no matter how hard it gets. Um, So for me, I'm lucky enough to have had that resolve early on to say like, no matter what this, we are never going back there ever. So figure it out. (laughs) And there have been so many times I've wanted to quit, you know, I've gone through like with 
with getting sober, then I got, I, I got this revelation of how, um, how I relate to, to people inside relationships, whether they be family members or partner or whatever, these maladaptive patterns that I've learned to people, please. So I don't get abandoned and rejected. Right. Like, and so then, you know, after the drugs and alcohol kind of weren't really kind of on the forefront of like, oh my God, I feel like I'm going to drink today. After a couple of years, that just wasn't really true for me anymore. So then this new thing surfaced. And then I was like, wow, but I still have all of these uh, maladaptive patterns in my relationships. Um, and, and so we talk about the layers of the onion, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that really is what it is for me. And I was talking to, I was talking to somebody the other day and I was like, if I'm real honest, I still have a piece of me that really just wants to get that certificate to put on the wall so I can graduate from all of this. <laughs> but like, that means that I die, right? That right. means that time's up. Um, because if, if, if I want to be a human connected in this world right now, that means I have to share in the humanity of what everybody else is going through. And I can't process everything and do it. You know, perfectionism is another issue, you know, like I want to do it perfectly because if I'm perfect, you won't leave me or you'll still love me or I won't fuck up. And, you know, like if I make one mistake, you know, it's all over. It's those kind of patterns that still kind of go in there, but I've had to be able to have the clarity to be able to even identify these patterns. If I were still like drinking and using, I wouldn't even be able to notice it. Or what I'd do is blame other people, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would be like, oh, it's all them. It's their fault. So it's this balance of being able to take personal responsibility, but also there is some fucked up shit that happens and people did some wrong stuff too. And it's being able to kind of differentiate Mm -hmm. that shit's fucked up. It never should have happened. The only way I can really heal from it is to take it on and work it to be able to process it on my own side. So if I want to, you know, I have had this problem with when I want to say no, I'll say yes. Or if I want to say yes, I'll say no. And it's this backwards way of staying a zombie, right? It's this backwards way of, I'm just going to go along with the status quo because that is a maladaptive coping strategy. But I don't know these things unless I'm honest about what's happening inside. And I think it takes it back to that question you asked about culturally, we don't talk about this stuff. You know why? Because there's a lot of shame attached to saying like, I'm having these things happen that seems like five or six-year-olds should know better And here I am, a 40-year-old woman who's been doing this work for 20 years, and I still have a hard time telling you no, or I still have a hard time saying what I really want, or I still have a hard time allowing myself to rest and not just grind all the time. And that feels really embarrassing and vulnerable to say after, quote unquote, all the work I've done. But I think that also without saying that probably other people have that same thought, but they don't talk about it. So I'm kind of like, fuck it. Let's talk about it because (laughs) (laughs) what do we have to lose? (laughs) Right. Well, I, I was, I was, uh, I was in another interview and I think that this feels really relevant. And I was saying, you know, there's, there's 
this belief, especially if we're in some in a space that feels uncomfortable or hard, that we're the only person that's going through it. And there is nothing, there's no new experience in humanity out there. There's no unique experience. Someone else has gone through it, maybe, you know, two doors down from you, maybe in your own family or your own circle of people. It's, there's no way. But in that moment, it feels you know, so isolating and so, and so lonely, like I'm the only person in the world. And of course I'm embarrassed because everybody else is managing things just fine. Um, and once, once there is someone that offers a little bit of themselves and their story, there's that relief. You start looking around and going, Oh, it's not just me. Oh, you know, this is just, this is part of an old pattern that I'm in or, or an old behavior that I learned or something that I didn't learn. Um, and that's that's all it is. It's that simple, um, and and it doesn't mean it's easy. But it definitely the simplicity of looking at it and going, there's no way I'm having a singular experience. Someone else or lots of other people have gone through the same thing. It just feels less lonely. That's a Absolutely. lovely, you know, a clear-headed intellectual thought, not necessarily in the moment sort of thought, um, mm-hmm. which I think is why it's so important that we have. Um, people that can show up for us and support us as we're moving through these things so that they can help us build that vocabulary or that knowledge so we do start to understand, oh, this is just a human experience that I'm having. Um, Like, I'm sad. Okay. Feel that through instead of attaching a judgment to it and then going into the narrative of having a feeling, right? right? So all of that stuff then gets stuck. And that's what happened to me, at least. Like, oh my God. I'm having a feeling, shut it down, right. and then it just stays stored. Right, right. And then all that stuff gunks up the gums, gums up the works, gets a little yeah. sticky, and nothing yeah. else really works well around it. Um, and, and as we talk about that in the body, that becomes, you know, chronic pain, that becomes inflammation, that, that, that shows up in all these different ways because the body is like, this is the only way I can talk to you. You know, I mean, I, I, I wish I had words, but this is what I'm telling you. But I got Um, sensations and weird images. Right. (laughs) Please listen to me. Yeah. Please listen to me. Um, I know that this is, this is a, it's, it's a, I guess in the, in the grand scheme of things of your whole career, it's a relatively new shift that you have, like this, this, this beautiful practice that you're that you're working in, that you've created for yourself. Um, and you're working solely now with clients who are, are healing from trauma. So you, you've, you've really kind of said, hey, this is a, a specialty. Um, you know, folks that enjoyed your massages before, um, if, they're working, if they're working on trauma or healing from trauma can continue. You're doing this craniosacral work and this trauma touch therapy. Um, and I know what all that stuff is. Can you, for the good of the people, can you talk to us a little bit about what's going on in your business in Body Alchemy? What is the kind of work that you're doing and 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 what kind of people are you seeing? Yeah. So um, so I finally officially, you know, specialize in in this, you know, right before the pandemic. Gosh, you and I were working on the change last year around this time, actually. Oh so about oh a year ago. You know, because luckily I've got this amazing partner who, you know, after years, he was just like, 
why can you not just specialize? You've got to specialize. I'm like, I'm not ready. I'm not good enough, right? Imposter <laughs> syndrome. It's only been 20 years, whatever. Um, so finally decided to take that plunge and, and just, you know, I was like, all right, I've been practicing uh, body work for 20 years, specialized in trauma for the past 10. I guess it's time to specialize in, you know, the thing I already specialized in 10 years before. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm a slow learner apparently or slow actor, whatever. Um, so, so we made this change, right. Um, and the reason this change came about, I, let me talk about that. The reason it was time is over the past you know, 20 years, I I have a pretty, I got a really loyal clientele, right? I've had lots of people stay with me, you know, for almost the entire 20 years. Um, So what that meant was I was booked three to four months out and I didn't have any space in my schedule for the work that I, that lit me up, which is helping people come out of that trauma coffin, right? Helping people get their lives back because trauma actually can be healed, right? Like it isn't a life sentence. It's not, I'm going to be with this forever. I, I treat trauma as an injury and injuries healed, but it can't heal unless you actually, you know, do some work to heal it. Right. So I needed to create some space on my schedule to be able to see people consecutively um, and to have that space available on my schedule for people actively working through their traumas because they're intentionally trying to heal um, from these from these traumas. Um, and that was not available, you know, with trauma touch, it's, you know, I needed um, a, a space a week for 10 weeks for each client who wanted to do it. And for craniosacral and massage, I needed a good four to six openings every week for four to six weeks for a person to start. And that didn't exist. That model didn't exist within my practice of people who were on the schedule for four months ahead of time. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had to make this really hard decision of letting about 80% to 90% of my clientele, uh, say, thank you for being so loyal for all of these years Um, I am at a place where I I only want to work with people who are actively processing traumas, um, because I need to be able to have kind of a rotating schedule, um, to get them in and get them out so they can move on with their lives. Right. And I have all these other massage therapists that I could refer them to, uh, to be able to still get body work. Um, so it was a huge shift in, you know, I was scared. I mean, I was really scared to do this shift because, you know, am I going to have clients that continue to want to do this work? You know, have I just, you know, gotten rid of 80, 90% of my clientele, like, like at 20 years in, like, oh my God, but it's been, it was such a great decision. And then I will tell you this year has been so crazy. So I started January 1st of 2020 with this new schedule. I had until March 17th when the pandemic hit and we were no longer allowed to practice. So I had two months and 17 days of this new shift in practice. And then I had four months where I couldn't practice. And I was really scared, you know, like what is going to happen? You know, like what is going to happen with all of this? 
And um, I went back to work August 1st. And, um, you know, it's, it has worked, right? Like (laughs) the model has worked, but, you know, from when we made the change that started effective January 1st um, to August 1st was, was very much like limbo. And I didn't actually get to enjoy the specialty yet because it was on pause because of the pandemic. And, um, and I also knew that during the pandemic that people that already had the diagnosis of PTSD with the compound nature of a global pandemic and all of the racial issues that were finally able to be talked about because of all of this, I knew that there was gonna be some compound stuff that was happening when people came back in. So I chose to take that four months and work on my own stuff (laughs) so I could process some of my own stuff. So when I came back, I could hold that, hold that space and be, um, be able to help people process as they were coming in from this huge amount of trauma and processing that has happened, especially over this last year. So glad that I went ahead and did it before the pandemic. And also it made it really weird. Like everything's just been really weird. I don't know if I even answered the question. You, you did. I, I, I ha- time has no meaning for me um, this year. Like it, it really, and, and, and I mean, I was there, I was part of this process. I'd for, I'd really forgotten that it was just January when this switch happened. Um, it's, it has been, it has been the oddest year I think ever. I mean, it has been so jam packed with all these fraught emotions pretty much from the beginning of the year. I mean, it's, we've just been clicking through it in these high levels of, of, of stress and, you know, fear and this community trauma and all of these things. It has been a hell of a year. I did not, I mean, I knew, but I didn't, I I just hadn't recognized that. I'm like, that was, that was January. That was around this time. It was fall of last year. And you Uh, and I spoke at, you know, we had our talk and that was the last social engagement that we had before everybody went to lockdown. Yeah. We gave our talk and that was the last thing that any of us did social, like on a large scale. Yeah. At least you and I can speak for you and I, but yeah. Yeah. I did a, I did a training that weekend. Yeah. Um, And then that, and then that Monday, uh, I mean, I've, (laughs) I haven't literally been in the house since then, but I've been pretty much here since, since mid-March, you know, a couple curbside pickups, a couple doctor's appointments here in, in, in this house, in this room. Pretty much, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Delightful. Really love that. Thanks, guys. Thanks for taking care of us so so well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God! All I've got is laughs at this point. (laughs) I mean, what what else can we do, right? Like this is it's it's absolute madness, and this is you know this is our life right now, and uh, and I mean thank God for for all the work that that. I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for you. All the work that I've done, because I don't know that I would have survived this in the way that I've had to live this. 
uh, without without the skills that I've that I've built up and in, in all this work that I've been doing. I, I oh, absolutely. I totally I, agree with that. Yeah, I'd be completely off my rocker at this point. I really, I really would. I mean, I'm not. Hey, I'm not a hundred percent, but I know that I would have been in in really bad shape without it. Just, yeah. just no. I would have sabotaged some stuff. You know, I just would have sabotaged some stuff. My like myself included <laughs> is what would have happened. I might not have died from it, but I would definitely have made it really difficult for myself going forward. <laughs> <laughs> with my coping, you know, with, with those coping skills that I talked about earlier. <laughs> yes. All the good ones, all the ones all the, that we're really happy about. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tell me this, cause I think there's a good chance that folks that are listening are going to want to want to get in touch with you. Right. And you're here in uh, we're both in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, how does somebody start working with you? What's, what's the process to do that? Yeah, so we've kind of streamlined it. Um, Go to my website um, and you'll click on discovery session. And there are these questions, these pre-discovery questions that you will ask, you will be asked, you will answer, you will pay. And then there is a 30 minute session that we will have after I've received these questions where we sit down and we talk treatment plan. We talk about, you know, what are your goals? What, what are you actively working with and what do you want us to work on? And there we kind of decide if we're going to go the craniosacral route or if we're going to go the trauma touch route, depending on, you know, what, what the person, where they're at, you know, just where they're at. Um, yeah. So it's, it's pretty simple. Just go on the website, click discovery session, fill out the um, questions, come and sit down and we'll talk. The reason I don't touch people, um, you know, that I, that I don't know that I haven't had that discovery session with is because we're talking about trauma here and we have to make sure that we want to work together. And so that time, that 30 minutes where we sit and we're in each other's space and you can ask me questions and you can read me and you can, you know, kind of feel if this feels right. Cause you may not, you may not feel that way. And I don't want to assume that just because what I do sounds like something you want to do doesn't mean that I'm the person you want to do it with. And I really respect that because we're talking about trauma. So it has to be something that feels really right for you, the client to be able to say, yes, I am open to having this person come into my personal space. And that's huge when we're talking about helping the body release its trauma. Perfect. So folks that are looking that the URL for that website is body, B-O-D-Y, alchemy, A-L-C-H-E-M-Y, tally, T-A-L-L-Y.com. And if you look at the top right side, there's a big orange button that says schedule a a discovery session. Real simple process to get yourself set up and get in um, so that you can sit down with Shay and see if you guys are a fit to work together. Is there anything else that, um, did did I miss something? Is there a, do you have a, I don't want to use this, but I'm going to use it. Is there a burning desire that you have? (laughs) (laughs) Good little term right there, Robin. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you got any burning questions? You know, I don't, I, I'm not burning these days. I am. I know, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, 
is actually staying current, right? I'm, I'm like, I'm here. I've said the things. I'm I I feel I feel pretty good. I feel like um, I don't know. I think that it just I, I think it feels it feels good. If there's a uh, there's nothing that you're like I want to make sure, you know. You want to talk about? No, I'm not going to ask you about Jungian practices. I know how much you love the Red Book, but um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I think each person comes into their um, process. Um, well, I can only speak for me. All of the things I've done in the healing work for my personal journey. Um, Nobody made me do any of these things. I chose to do them because there was something inside of me that was like, I can't live this way any longer. And that was kind of the catalyst to kind of um, bring about all of these things that I have done in the name of healing, in the name of wanting to feel comfortable within my own skin. Um, I think that can also be taken to an extreme I think that the work um, can also be a form of addiction. Um, and so for me, because I have that addictive nature in me, I'm also actively learning how to rest and what that means, you know, to have some enjoyment, not in the name of the work, not in the name mm -hmm. of healing trauma, but just who is Shay and what does she want to do right now? Mm -hmm. Like, do I want to drink a Shirley Temple and like put on my unicorn onesie? Like maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what I want to do. Um, but like, you know, I, I love doing the things like going on nature trails. I enjoy yoga. I enjoy meditation. I enjoy all of these things, but also is the catalyst behind it because I'm trying to be worthy of existence mm -hmm. because I'm trying to earn my place here. Or is it because I want to? And I have to kind of keep that, that question there is what am I grinding for? Like, am I, what reason am I doing this for? And to sometimes just not have a reason for doing things. Like maybe I want to just, you know, sit and watch movies for half of the day and not get out of my PJs. And that's not depression, right? Like that's not me, um, not doing the work that's me being a human and needing a break and I think that's important too is I work I work really hard and at this point in my recovery I'm learning how to be able to rest in the recovery that's happened as well instead of thinking like I'm you know that burning metaphor made me think about the burning desire that I'm not constantly being bit by those flames anymore and so maybe I can rest you know, but continue to stay consistent with the work, whatever that means. I think that's a perfect place for us to, to end. I, I, I think that's brilliant. I really appreciate your time. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad I get a chance to see you since we are doing this via Zoom and to talk to you about just this really important work that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Robin. Oh, my pleasure, as always. <laughs> I will talk to you soon. Okay, sounds good. All right. All right, bye. Bye.
Thanks for joining us this week on Your Life After. This podcast is made possible by the generous support of our patrons. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe so you'll never miss out. Information about becoming a patron, show notes, and transcripts from today's episode can be found on our website, wsw.center slash your life after. That's wsw.center slash your life after, or just go to the homepage and click podcast from the main menu. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. Be peaceful.